Alright. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. My name is Robert Winfrey, and I am your host. Thank you, per usual, for all of the support that you give the podcast. All of your likes, your comments, your subscriptions, your star ratings, your written reviews, anything and everything you can do to support the show. I deeply, deeply appreciate the fact that you guys do that. I know you don't have to, and I know there's a lot of places you can go for this kind of content, and you choose me as a supplement, and it's humbling and inspiring in equal parts. On the agenda this evening, a preview. The UFC took off the last Saturday, uh, yesterday. I'm not entirely sure why. I I mean, the the Royal Rumble... Pardon me. The Royal Rumble was last night. Yeesh. I'm not going to go into it. I covered that. For 411 Mania, and oh boy, what a. Oh, I couldn't quite give it like a full dumpster fire, but. Oh, that. I did not care for that show at all. Uh, so maybe they were trying to avoid that. I know WWE moved so they wouldn't be competing against some of the. Uh, uh, there's the AFC. Both of the like semifinals. So the AFC and the NFC Championship games are taking place, for those of you who care about American football. Uh. One of them just wrapped up. The other is ongoing as I record this. So I think they were trying to stay away from that. Uh, Anyway. For whatever reason, UFC had that off. But they are back in action this Saturday with UFC on ESPN Plus 58. uh, We'll go over that card. I think that's going to take the lion's share of the episode. This shouldn't be a terribly long one. Uh, We will also have some news to talk about. A bunch of fights got announced. Uh, Some bigger, some smaller. But... We'll go over those and just other small bits of news from the week. I, I'm not going over the latest in the uh, Dana White and Jake Paul flame war that's going on. So until something of substance comes out of that, I'm I'm gonna kind of be a little bit hands off for the moment. Uh, yeah. So for those of you looking for an in-depth analysis of Jake Paul's diss track, I must disappoint you. All right, with that out of the way, let's jump into the episode proper. This Saturday, UFC on ESPN Plus 58. It's not a deep card, but there's a couple of there's a couple of fights with some potential here. So your main event is a pretty relevant middleweight fight, actually. Um, you got two ranked guys, Jack Hermanson and Sean Strickland. Uh, Hermanson. Coming off of a win, he beat Edmund Shabazi in May of last year. He's been out for a while. Has he been out for so long? I'm going to assume some kind of travel issue, because there's not been anything listed. Uh, then again, it could be a minor injury. It could be that they just couldn't find him a fight. That happens all the time. Uh, Hermanson had a pretty good run that was smashed by Jared Cannonier. He's been a bit 50-50 since, but... He's not going to get a title shot off of a win here, but if he can build a winning streak, he might be due. He might be in another fight that could crown a number one contender, kind of thing. Uh, somewhat, Strickland's in a similar but slightly different position. Uh, he's on a pretty long winning streak, actually. Uh, he hasn't lost since he returned to middleweight. I don't think he's ever lost at middleweight. Now that I think about it, um, he debuted in the UFC. In 2014, boy, he's been there for a while. I hadn't quite realized that. 
Um, he fought at middleweight a couple of times and then dropped to welterweight, lost to Santiago Ponzinibbio, won three fights, lost to Kamaru Usman, beat Court McGee, lost to Elizabeth Zaleski Dos Santos, beat Nordin Taleb, and then moved back up to middleweight. And at the moment, he's on an overall five-fight five, five fight winning streak, yes. Uh, eyes got a little bit blurry there. Uh, he's 4-0 at middleweight. Uh, one of those was a catchweight. They put together him and Brendan Allen on really short notice, so they agreed to a catchweight. Um, that was neither of them missing. And he's coming off of the biggest win of his career when he beat Uriah Hall. Um, it For five rounds. Uh, I did that in July of last year. Uh, he was supposed to fight Luke Rockhold at the end of last year, but that fell apart. Um... So if Strickland wins again, I don't, I don't think title shot is, would be his immediate thing. Uh, Hermanson would be another really good win. You could argue it's better than Uriah Hall. Hall has more name value, but I think Hermanson is a more proven commodity. But if he wins here, he would get a top five opponent, I think. Next, let me double check the rankings. Both of these gentlemen are ranked. I just am not sure where exactly. Wait, what do we got? Hermanson is six. Strickland is seven. Um, Hermanson already has a loss to Marvin Vittori. But if Strickland wins, he'd probably... You got Whitaker going to fight Adesanya very soon, actually. I'm so excited for that fight. Below that, you've got Marvin Vittori, D uh, Jared Cannonier, Derek Brunson, and Paulo Costa. Strickland and Costa would be crazy and not necessarily in the good way. I tend to think if Strickland wins here, he might get Cannoneer, but Cannoneer has a fight coming up, doesn't he? Double check that. Uh, I think he's fighting Derek Brunson. Yes, yes. Um, at UFC 271. So there's a few moving parts. Uh, but he, he will probably fight someone easily top five, if not top three. Like, he'll be... I think... I think Strickland has more, will gain more in victory than Hermanson will in, the, in terms of getting closer to a title shot. So, As for how I think the fight goes, that's a tough one. Hermanson's a weird guy to kind of get a handle on. He does a lot of moving. Uh, he tends to fight a little bit more at distance. But his real strength is grappling, right? Uh, he, he wants to get on top of you. Um, if he can catch you in a transition, he'll grab a choke, but he does a lot of good top work and then likes to ground and pound from there, and he's pretty good at it. Strickland does a bit more on the feet. So I think this is going to kind of come down to how Strickland's takedown defense holds up relative to Hermanson. And I don't expect Hermanson... I, I keep changing the pronunciation. I believe it's Hermanson, so I'm going to try to stick to it. I, I don't think Hermanson is going to shoot a lot of doubles from the outside. He tends to be a bit more of a close proximity wrestler. But Strickland has a really interesting way of just kind of sucking people into fighting his style of fight. And Hermanson, while a very talented fighter, has been subject to making those kinds of in-fight errors. Uh... I'm actually talking myself into going with Sean Strickland here. It sounds weird, because Strickland's also a guy who doesn't have um, 
Like, he doesn't jump off the screen at you, right? Like, some guys, you watch them fight, and either parts of their game or them in totality just leap off the screen at you. Strickland's not that guy, but he's just kind of a brutal grinder of a striker. Uh, he's not a big knockout threat. He's not the most technical guy, but he pushes a high pace. And he, he's, he does the grinding thing with striking, where it's just, it's a lot, and it keeps coming, and it batters you down, and it wears you out, and it just keep it just keeps coming. And it just grinds on you. you know, the way some wrestlers will grind you in the clinch, or you know, just get you down and just make your life miserable. He does that with his strikes. And it's a gnarly thing to try and have to overcome. I think Hermanson's movement will be a problem for him. I just don't know how long Hermanson can keep that up. His movement seems to fall off. Uh, he doesn't move as well later as he does early. Uh, I think this is a close fight, stylistically. I actually am. I, I talked myself into it a little bit here. I'm going to go with Sean Strickland, and I'm just going to be prepared to look like an idiot <laughs> when I when I do the show next week and have to talk about what happened, but... Strickland's just not an easy guy to beat. And while I won't be surprised if Hermanson wins, I, don't, I, I just... I'm not convinced that Hermanson can maintain the discipline necessary to outpoint shot to, to really kind of trouble Strickland over a five-round fight. Whereas I do think Strickland's style of fighting is going to get to Hermanson. Now, if her, if the takedowns come fairly easily for Hermanson, again, I'm going to stress fairly here. No one, no one's really easy to take down in the UFC. Some great takedown artists make it look easier, but you know, you or I couldn't shoot a double on most of those people and get them down successfully. Uh, I assume. I don't know who you are, but I'm going to assume that your double leg is probably not going to catch most UFC caliber fighters. Might be wrong, but that's my assumption. So, if he's able to get takedowns consistently, that'll be a real problem for Sean Strickland. That'll be real telling for any of us watching. But I'm I'm just going to lean towards Strickland here. I, I think he's on a bit of a roll right now. Not a lot of people are talking about it. They'd rather talk about his... Uh, how did I hear? I think I heard it phrased this way about Sean Strickland. Um, YouTube channel Hard to Hurt, which I rather enjoy for a variety of reasons. Um, uh, the the host of that channel, he said of Sean Strickland that he's not as crazy as he wants you to think he is, but he is crazier than he thinks he is, right? And I think that's probably true. And people would rather talk about that or complain about, oh, he's going too hard in sparring, which... I'm not sure as to... Look, the footage of him when he knocked the guy out with the head kick, I think got a little bit overblown. And here's the other thing about that. It's a, what, like 20-second clip? There was what, there was another video of him and another guy who were engaged in a hard sparring session. It was harder than I would like to go in sparring, certainly. But the other guy didn't seem to be... It was a... He did not seem to be taking advantage of his sparring partner. They were both engaging in a hard sparring session. And that's not and that's not the same thing as taking advantage of somebody. Um, 
I don't even think the one where he knocked the guy out was necessarily taking advantage of him. There was a lot that was going into that clip, and there's a lot of context missing when all you get is, you know, again, this 15, 20 seconds of, look at what this guy did to his sparring partner. Well, I mean, Colby Covington tried the same thing with Dustin Poirier at one point, released some footage of him knocking out a sparring partner. And I'm not the biggest proponent of knocking out sparring partners, but if you're engaging in hard sparring, especially if somebody's getting ready for a fight and this is part of the prep, it happens. I mean, Poirier didn't do anything out of the ordinary in that clip that was shown, and I don't think Sean Strickland did anything out of bounds in any of the, in the again, some of those clips that kind of made the rounds and had people going, oh, he's crazy. He's not, I'm not saying he's not a little bit, uh, got, got a screw loose or two. Anyone who fights professionally, I think, does have something a little bit wrong with them. Wrong in this case, just being relative to societal norms, not necessarily that they're incapable of functioning in human society. But, you know, you want to fist fight for money as a profession, like, there's something up there that's a little bit outside the norm. I, I don't think that's out of bounds. Like, most fighters agree with that sentiment. So, I'm, I'm going with Strickland, and it's a pretty darn good fight. Uh, believe it or not, in which it's not the last time I'm going to say it about this card, but it's one of the few fights that I think that's true about for this card. Co-main event, as it currently stands, middleweight Punahele Soriano and Nick Maximov. Uh, Soriano, uh, let's see, fought twice last year. He's two and one in the UFC, lost to Brendan Allen. Uh, he's a he's a bit of a brawler. Uh, very strong, uh, physically very strong guy. Get a quick look at Maximov, who I think has fought for the UFC before, but I want to double check that. Uh, he is seven and zero. Where does he fight out of? Oh yeah, he fights out of the he fights out of the Diaz Academy. Yeah, yeah, he won his UFC debut uh, end of last year. Not straight end, like latter third. Hmm. That's a tough fight for him, man. Um, Soriano is a... Neither has a lot of overall experience. They're 8-1 and one and 7-0, and oh, Soriano and Maximov, respectively. But Soriano's UFC experience, and he's fought... Just better guys. Maximov is very talented. Uh, that's a tough one. Uh, my inclination is to lean towards Soriano, but I might be eating those words pretty heavily uh, next week. Let's see. Uh, next up, I'm actually looking forward to this fight quite a bit. Uh, welterweight Shavkat Rachmanov versus Carlston Harris. Um, Rachmanov... I, when I saw that he was debuting in the UFC, I double I went back through some of his fights because he was undefeated. And if you, his run, uh, he only had a couple of fights in M1. Uh, he had more than a couple, but his last two before joining the UFC were in M1. Uh, he spent a lot of time bouncing between M1 and um, some of the other just regional promotions in that part of uh, Russia and whatnot. He's from Kazakhstan. And... He's a guy that did kind of jump off the screen at me. 
Uh, I was very impressed with his UFC debut when he beat Alex Oliveira via guillotine choke. Then he beat Michelle Prezeresh, uh handily. Now, he's been out for a while. His last fight was June of last year. But I'm a pretty big believer in his upside at this point. He has made me... I pay attention to that guy. Uh, he's fighting Carlston Harris, who fights out of Guyana. And Harris has had a pretty impressive run in the UFC as well. He's only 2-0, and but he submitted Christian Aguilera, knocked out Impa Kasanganai. He's on an overall five-fight winning streak. Uh, he's a very talented striker. I am, I am definitely looking forward to this fight. These are two up-and-coming welterweights that everyone should be paying attention to, kind of regardless of who wins here. They're both that good. Uh, shouldn't be too much of a surprise that I'm picking Rachmanov. I, I think that guy has a lot. I'm not calling him a future champion at the moment, but he's got a lot of upside. A lot of upside. So I'm gonna go with Rachmanov for the uh for the moment, and yeah, I'm kind of on that particular band uh, that particular hype train. Middleweight. Why God? Why Sam Alvey will fight Phil Hawes. For those of you who might be going, why are you so hard on Sam Alvey? Sam Alvey's last win was in June of 2018, when he won a split decision over John Volante in a terrible fight. I mean, just, a, just a terrible fight. Since then, he was TKO'd by Little Nog in 2018. TKO'd by Jimmy Crute, lost a decision to Clidson Abreu, lost a split decision to Ryan Spann and threw a fit, went to a split draw with Da Eun Jung, I agreed with the draw, got choked completely unconscious by Julian Marquez, and then lost a decision to Wellington Terman and threw another fit after losing. It's, it's a bit ridiculous that he's on this... Long of a loop. Like this might be one of the long. This might be the longest winless streak in UFC history, and still be there. I mean, it's. I don't look. I said this last week with Jeff when we talked a little bit about this. I'm not saying Sam Alvey was always a terrible fighter. That's a gross overstatement. The man had a pretty good winning streak at one point. At two different points, he had significant winning streaks in the UFC. Uh, he's beaten some solid names. Yeah, he uh, he went on a bit where he was knocking people out because people didn't know how to fight him. Like, I'm, I'm not saying the guy should never have been here, but I think at this point, it's pretty clear that he should not still be in the UFC. Okay, he's younger than I am. I hate how much I've wasted my life in some respects. But he's 35. And he's got, what, 51 fights? He's been with the UFC for a while. He came in in 2014. But I I think he, if he loses here, he's definitely got to be gone. Whereas Phil Hawes uh, had a long... He's kind of bound... Let's see, he finally got to the UFC. Second stand on the Contender Series to get there. Won a few fights. He's coming off of a loss to Chris Curtis. 
Uh, he looked pretty good up until Curtis kind of found a good counter for him and then basically put him to sleep. Look, I can't pick Sam Alvey to win a fight anymore. I can't do it. And I'm not going to do it here. I'm going to pick Phil Hawes. I just... I, I don't know anyone who's looking forward to that fight. I, I can't imagine who would be. Uh, let's see. Trasson Gore. 3-0. and Making his UFC debut, I believe. Um, he was on some season of The Ultimate Fighter. Right? Yeah, 28. I, I could not possibly care less. Uh, he's fighting Brian Battle, who is 6-1. and one. And he made his UFC debut uh, last year, and he beat Gilbert Urbina. How are that? That's erroneously... Whatever. Sorry. I'm... My job is not to input things for other websites <laughs> at the moment. Um, God, who cares? I couldn't... I could not in any way give a meaningful pick here. I'll go with Battle just because he's more experienced. And kicking off the main card, we have Julian Arosa and Steven Peterson. Um, Arosa finally got his first UFC win in, eh, a while ago, but he's 3-1 and one in what is his, I think, his third stint with the UFC now. Only losing to Sungwoo Choi, beat Charles Jordan in his last fight. Uh, he seems to finally kind of have hit his stride, whereas Peterson is... I can't pick Peterson here. I mean, he's got a couple of wins in the UFC, but I I can't pick him to win a fight to win here. He beat Chase Hooper his last time out, June of last year. Uh, but I I don't know that he can beat anyone who's actually good. Might be wrong, but I'm going with Arosa here. And that's the main card. As for the prelims. Uh, your main event of the prelims, Miles Johns and John Castaneda. Johns is a guy with a lot of ability. Only one loss in the UFC. It was to Mario Bautista. Won two in a row since. Pretty solid finishes, actually, over Kevin Natividad and Anderson Dos Santos. Miss Castaneda has fought in the UFC before. He's 18-5 and five overall. Uh... Lost to Eddie Wineland, beat Eddie Wineland, excuse me, about a year ago. Lost to Nathaniel Wood before that. Uh, I don't really have a reason to pick against Miles Johns here, who is a very, very talented bantamweight, but Castanet is not someone you should sleep on either. Let's see, uh, Hakeem Dawadu and Michael Trezano. Um, Dawadu is a guy I've been. I've been more down on than others. Um, I thought he was a little bit too much a product of the UFC hype machine. He's one of those guys that they kind of wish was better than he is. I mean, he won a couple of split decisions. His last two wins are split decisions over Julio Arce and Zubaira Tehugov. And I thought he lost the Arce fight. Tehugov, I think I scored for him, but Arce, I did not. Um, he's coming off of a loss to Movsarevloyev. Uh, they're treating him a little bit gentler here. Michael Trezano, he won some meaningless season of The Ultimate Fighter. I mean, most of them are, but what season was that? Um, the Undefeated, 27. 
Um, yeah, he won that via split decision. He beat Luis Pena via split decision. He got beat by Grant Dawson. He beat Ludovic Klein. I'm I'm not saying Trezano can't win, but he'd have to showcase a significant leap forward in his ability. And I tend to think that he's going to struggle uh, to handle the first the uh, the burst of energy that Dawadu gives. Dawadu's tough for that first like five six minutes. That's a real he's really dangerous during that period of time. Uh, if it goes longer, Trezano can certainly take it longer. Dawadu's not much of a distance fighter. That that's why he's got all these split decisions because he starts fading. Uh, He's got a weird trajectory to his energy now that I, if uh, if memory serves. He starts hot, but towards the end of the first, like the last you know, couple of minutes, not a couple of minutes, but you know, the last bit of the first round, then most of the second, and then he kind of refines himself in the third. But that, that kind of pacing to his fights is part of why he's got these split decisions all over the place. Uh, and again, I don't, I think it, I didn't think he won the Botniak fight either, to be candid. But I I have I don't have too many reservations picking him here. Um, middleweight Chidi Enjokani uh, Enjokawani. Um, it's it's not spelled the same as the other Enjokawani, but um, he is coming over. He is twenty and seven overall. He had a very un... How do you do in Bellator? Went about 500 in Bellator. Winning... Ultimately winning overall. But who's his best win uh, when he was in Bellator? Let me have a quick look. Um, he's got a win over Andre Fialho, who debuted for the UFC last week. The uh, week before. Melvin Gillard is... And he lost Andre Koreshkov. That was a... Ooh. I remember that, because I was watching Koreshkov at the time. Still do on occasion. Um, Koreshkov mauled him. Probably his best win is over Rafael Carvalho, even though Carvalho was way washed at the time. Um, and he's fighting Marc-Andre Barrio. Um, Barrio on a two-fight winning streak, actually. He's got just the weirdest fighting style, man. Um, I'm gonna pick Njikawani, actually. I, I just am not a big believer in Barrio's style of fighting leading to consistent success. And that's kind of a big thing. Uh, women's bantamweight Alexis Davis will fight Yulia Stolyarenko. Let's see, Davis, what did you do lately? She lost to Penny Kianzad. She's only one and four in her last five. Um, yeah, if she can't beat Stoliarenko, she should probably consider retirement. Stoliarenko has yet to win in the UFC. I'm gonna pick Davis. Um, but this is kind of her one of her last shots at maintaining relevance in the UFC. Light heavyweight, uh, Jayton Almeida and Danilo Marquez. Almeida. 14 and 2. Um, Jailton. Okay. Sorry, there was a. Got a better look at his name. Um, he is on a long winning streak. Jeez. He's on like a nine fight winning streak. 
Um, beat uh, coming in the coming into this fight off the back of a win on the Contender Series. Been out of action for a while though. He last fought. Okay, no, that was uh, last year. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong part of that date. Yeah, he's. He's getting pretty busy. Does a lot of grappling, too, apparently. Um, anyway, he's fighting Danilo Marquez. Ooh. Lost to Kennedy and Zechiku. It's 2-1 in the UFC. Beat Hadris Ibrahimov and Mike Rodriguez. Yeah, okay, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Almeida here. Um, I'm... was not... Marquez is a... A little bit of a wild fighter, but I think that works to his detriment more often than not. Yeah, I'm going to go with Almeida here, and I, I, again, I'm just going to feel silly if I'm wrong, but that's where we are. And kicking everything off, we have Malcolm Gordon and Dennis Bondar. Uh, I'm going to assume that's the correct pronunciation. This gentleman is Ukrainian. Yeah, that's Ukrainian. Um, Bondar is on a pretty good winning streak, actually. Jeez. Last loss in 2018. So, what, one, two, three, four, five, six. He's on a 10-fight winning streak. And has been trying to get his first UFC fight since the beginning of last year. He was scheduled to fight Ode Osborne in uh, February of last year. Yeah, that fall apart. A fight with Victor Rodriguez fell apart. This fight with Gordon was supposed to take place in November. And then they got bumped to this one for whatever reason. Um, Gordon. Finally got his first UFC win. Beat Francisco Figueredo. Yeah, I'm, uh, this will be a flyaway. I'm going with Bondar. Uh, I... I don't find much compelling reason to pick Malcolm Gordon at the moment. Uh, not saying he'll never win, but you ask me who I'm going to pick, it's it's very... It's not never going to be him, but it's rarely going to be him. Uh, yeah, and that's the card. Look, the, it, there's a couple of fights where the main event's a relevant fight. I'm, cur I'm very interested in Rachmanov and Harris. Um... Arosa and Peterson has the has a fan-friendly style between those two guys. That's going to be a bit of a blood and guts war. Just that's just how those two fight. Uh, but it's it's a little bit thin. It's an, this is not a card that's going to draw a lot of outside attention. Um, but the action might be okay. There's a few fights on here that again they're not great, but I apart from Sam Alvey. Uh, and a potentially disastrous light heavyweight fight on the prelims. Like, there's not a whole lot here that I'm, like, hanging my head over. I mean, Sam Alvey and Phil Haas, yeah, just why? But the rest of it, it's more meh than uh. And that's an important distinction to make. You know, the majority of things are average. That's why it's the average. This is a bit more average on paper. Lower end average, but it's not... It doesn't look like a dumpster fire on paper. It just doesn't look all that good but there's a wide variety of space between terrible and good but i will be covering it this saturday in the mma zone of 411mania.com so please do step uh, step step over there stop on by and give that a uh, comment if you're so inclined 
I always appreciate everyone who shows up to support my work in that respect. All right, as for the news, let's start with the big one. We have a lightweight title fight. Charles Oliveira will go for his second defense of the lightweight title against your favorite fighter and mine, Justin Gaethje. Oh, hook that into my veins. Ah. Uh, According to the the odds are with Oliveira as the fight was announced, and logically it's Oliveira, right? But my heart is with Justin Gagey on this one, and I think there's a logical reason for that as well. Um, Oliveira has been hit clean and kind of hurt in both of his last fights. Uh, Michael Chandler hurt him pretty badly and nearly finished him in the first round. Poirier was able to find success hitting him uh, and hurt him as well. I, If Oliveira can survive that first time when Gaethje hits him clean, I think that'll be real trouble for Justin Gaethje, but <sighs> Gaethje just hits so hard, man. And he's so... Uh, it's not as predictable as you think it is. He's... Oliveira might easily time the first leg kick that Gagey throws, get him down, and we're just done from there. Like, that's entirely possible. In fact, it might even be probable. But I I kind of... I don't hate Gagey's chances here. And emotionally, I'm with him. Only thing I want to say about this, I'm not going to get too deep into kind of previewing that, because that is set for UFC 274, which will also feature Yuri Prohachka challenging for Glover Teixeira's light heavyweight title, Shaping up to be a pretty darn good uh, pay-per-view, actually, with those two fights on top. Uh, it needs to be said about this about Charles Oliveira. If he wins, he will have in successive fights defeated Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier, and Justin Gagey. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, he's on a long winning streak, and I tend to think at this point in time he is the best lightweight in the world. Now... Doesn't mean Gaethje can't beat him. Doesn't mean Islam Makachev wouldn't beat him if they fought. And that might very well be on the horizon. Makachev might be inevitable at this point, frankly. He's that good. But I I tend to think that as we record right now, uh, Charles Oliveira is he's the, he's the king of the 155ers. Uh, we have a few other fights announced. I'll touch on a couple of them here. Uh, in... Old guy matchmaking, Donald Cowboy Cerrone and Joe Lozon will square off. We have two of the most bonus fighters ever. Um, two gentlemen whose names are scattered throughout the record books for the UFC and whatnot. I think Lozon still holds the most finishes at lightweight. Um, yeah, he has most finishes. Miller is Jim Miller's right behind him in that respect. Miller has more submissions. Um Cerrone, I think, will... He might tie Miller again for most UFC appearances overall with this. If not, he'll close the gap to just one fight again. Cerrone's been out for a while. Um, when was the last time he fought? I could look that up. Because I cannot recall off the top of my head when it was. Um, May of last year. Yeah, Alex Morono stopped him. Um, but he hasn't won since 2019 when he fought Ally Aquinta. That's, it's not a good stretch for him, man. That is a, that is a bad stretch. 
Um, related to this fight, uh, I I put up a question on Facebook, so any of you who know me on Facebook can uh, ask there, or I do the same. I've been doing the same thing on Twitter, just putting up a tweet before I start recording, and just going, "Hey, if you got a question, feel free to ask it." So, friend. Uh, a former, I think he's, I don't know if he still contributes or not. Former 411 contributor Steve Gustafson asks, uh, should April 30th's fight between Cerrone and Lozon be the last fight for both fighters? Lozon, uh, Cerrone's overall record, for those who might be curious about this, 36, 16, and uh, with two no contests. Um, his draw with Nico Price was changed to a no contest. There's still no draws in his career. Officially, Lozon is 28 and 15. Lozon's been out for a while now that I think about it. I'm trying to when his last fight was. Uh, I think it went badly for him. No, he beat Jonathan Pierce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I kind of remember that, but he was on a he'd lost three in a row before that, including getting stopped by Clay Guida via punches which is just kind of embarrassing, even in 2017. Um, he hasn't fought since October of 19. Should this be the last fight for both men? Probably. I'm going to give Cerrone the benefit of, let me see how he looks on fight night. Lozon, I think, absolutely. Uh, I think he's just, he's been too inactive lately. He's, you know, Got a bunch of fights. He's been in the UFC forever. I mean, he was part of um, he's part of Tough Season Five, which I will maintain is the best season of that program. He's been around forever. He's just had long periods of inactivity. Uh, I I think this should be Lozon's last hurrah, and it probably should be Cerrone's. But Cerrone, I'm gonna give uh, I'll give him a little bit of the benefit of at least waiting to see how he looks. Um. Cerrone's also a guy who, once he gets cut by the UFC, is just going to fight in, like, bare knuckle or something. Like, that guy just loves... He's just going to do that until people tell him he can't. Um, Lozon, I don't think will. Lozon, I think, is pretty comfortably going to uh, find other things to do after fighting. I mean, he's already a pretty good coach. So... Yeah, for Lozon, I think, absolutely, to answer the question. Cerrone, probably... Uh, let's see. Also announced as far as these fights go, um, Nikita Krylov will fight Paul Craig at light heavyweight. Uh, this might be, I hate to say this about a guy who's still kind of young, but Krylov needs to kind of, he needs to find himself or, or, or get out of there. Um, he's got a lot of ability, but he's never been able to be consistent. Um, we lost one half of a main event for, uh, I think it was scheduled for, March. Um, we were supposed to get Jan Blahovich and Alexander Rakic in a fight that probably would have crowned your next contender at uh, light heavyweight. Um, if Blahovich got that win, you could easily get him another shot at the belt that he used to hold. If Rakic won, that would pretty... Being the former champion would have easily uh, secured him the next title shot, at least from where I sit. Blahovich is out of that fight, so we'll see if they try to just schedule that again for later or if they find someone else for Rakic to fight. Um, let's see. I think that's it for fights that were announced. Um, okay. 
Jeremy Stevens... Okay, last little bit of news I wanted to touch on here. Jeremy Stevens has been released by the UFC. Um, Stevens has been, had been in the UFC for a long time. When was his debut, actually? It was a long time ago, man. Like, a long time ago. Um... Yeah, he debuted at UFC 71 in 2007. Uh, he had one fight outside. The, he lost to Dean Thomas on that fight. And Dean Thomas, for years now, has been retired in a coach, and Jeremy Stevens is still out there fighting. He had one fight outside the UFC after that, came back to the UFC, and he's been with them ever since. Uh, he's fought everybody, man. Uh, I absolutely mean that. He has fought everybody. And he exits the UFC with the most losses in UFC history. Uh, I think that's just a combination of his fighting style as well as... Again, if you fight everybody... I mean, let me just run down a few of the people that he fought, right? Start with his debut. So he fought Dean Thomas, he fought Cole Miller, he fought Spencer Fisher, Rafael Dos Anjos, Joe Lozon, Glayson Tebow, Sam Stout, Melvin Gillard. I'm skipping several of these. This isn't comprehensive. Anthony Pettis, Donald Cerrone, Eve Edwards, Darren Elkins, Cub Swanson, Charles Oliveira, Dennis Bermudez, Max Holloway, Henan Burrell, Frankie Edgar, Renato Moicano, Gilbert Melendez, Josh Emmett, Jose Aldo, Zabit, Yair Twice, Calvin Cater, and Mateus Gamrot was his last UFC fight. And that's not everybody. That's not a comprehensive list of everyone he fought in the octagon. But seriously, he would fight anybody. Uh, he... I can't say he never had a boring fight, because I don't think that's true, but he was a guy who just would always would always show up, would always sign on the dotted line, and would always come out swinging. Um, that said, I do think his removal from the UFC is probably... It's, it's the right time. Like, he hadn't won since he fought Josh Emmett in 2018, since then losses to... Aldo Zabit, no contest with Yair, lost to Yair, got brutally knocked out by Cater, tapped out by Gamrot. Um, it, it was just time for him to not be in the UFC anymore. But uh, he had a long career, man, and he had some solid wins. He not, If you haven't seen it, he drops the first two rounds to Rafael Dos Anjos, and then in the third, uppercuts him almost Mortal Kombat style and knocks him out. Uh Great knockout. Genuinely great knockout. All right. I think that's everything. Let's check Twitter one more time, and then if not, we will get into plugs and get out of here. Nope. Nothing MMA-related. Okay. Plugs. Last week, uh, I was actually fairly busy, despite the lack of UFC content. Uh, I covered professional wrestling per usual. AEW's Dark Elevation on Monday. Uh, MLW's Azteca series on Thursday, WWE SmackDown on Friday, and then the Royal Rumble on Saturday. I respect people, I respect the fact that there are people who genuinely enjoy professional wrestling. I really do. Um, I have at times enjoyed professional wrestling in my life, and I might again in the future. I certainly can't predict everything. I can barely predict 
anything with a degree of accuracy in most cases. But uh, current professional, the current landscape of professional wrestling, this is not just a WWE thing. Um, it's not. I, I don't care for it. And a lot of that's just a stylistic choice on my part, but yeesh. Then, you know, you compound that with, in some cases, truly baffling decision-making. Oof. Oof. So, yeah, I did that. That was, uh, that was something. I did a slightly different Damn You Hollywood with Mark Radulich on Tuesday. If you're interested in my thoughts on movies and whatnot, please look up Damn You Hollywood or any of the other stuff I do over at the W2M network. Uh, we talked about the Netflix movie Munich, The Edge of War, and then also talked about the 2021 box office overall. A little bit of our kind of wrap-up series uh, looking at the year that was 2021 in movies. Uh, let's see. This week, no, I am not part of the Damn You Hollywood that's being done. It's more of a triple feature. Yeah, it is a triple feature, actually. Um, I am not part of that. Uh, let's see. So, just my usual spade, actually. So, AEW on Monday, MLW Thursday, WWE Friday, and then the UFC on Saturday. All right, if you're interested in any of those, the wrestling or MMA zone of 411mania.com, depending on which of those we're talking about, will show... Will, uh, you can see my work there, my review of the Rumble, etc., etc. All right, next week we will be back here to review UFC on ESPN Plus 58, and we will preview UFC 271. Oh, boy. Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker 2. Mm, I cannot wait. Cannot wait. Oh, I hope nothing ha Oof, Sorry, I'm getting a full look at that card here. Hope nothing happens to that main event. Um, they've got another middleweight fight on that card where you could maybe slot in, especially, jeez. Um, you could slot in either Jared Cannonier or Derek Brunson. That's the potential is there. But your co-main event is Derek Lewis and Tai Tuivasa, which is, I mean, I don't care. People will, and I, I freely acknowledge that. I don't care, but others will. But there's not, there's not really a, uh, a $75 fight on that card. You know, you really do kind of need that title fight to hold together because, look, Whitaker and Adesanya is a great, great fight. Genuinely can't wait for that one. So next week, full preview of that and whatever news all happens to break between now and then. So on that note, I thank you all very, very much for tuning in. Stay safe out there and continue to be well, be safe, and behave. <laughs>